wonderful to me. This name is worthy of all praises. Because of him, I am made free. That name is Jesus. Oh, how I love him, the one who gave his life for me. Because of love so unconditional, I will have life eternally. name speaks calm unto my fears and when I feel that no one loves me his loving presence is so near that name is Jesus oh how I love him the one who
Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, while you're turning there, I want to read a scripture to you. The Bible said, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ and that name will be praised. It will be praised. And if you don't praise Him, the rocks will praise Him in your place. The Bible said there's one name given above every name and at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. All over the nation today, people are at ball games shouting and praising for the accolades of athletes. There's names in our country that is highly praised. There are people in our country and all over the world that's highly praised because of Hollywood and because of what they can do on the ball field. But there's coming a day that everybody and every man and every woman will be at equal ground. And I'll tell you, when we stand at the feet of Jesus, we will be at equal ground, small and great. Everybody is going to be on the same page except one, and it's Jesus. And everybody will confess the name Jesus. And I'm telling you something, child of God, we're going to start praising, and we're going to start shouting, and we're going to start rejoicing at the wonderful name of Jesus. But I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to start in glory land. I want to start right here. Man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I may be by myself. I don't want to start in heaven I want to start right now. He's worthy to be praised. We ought to thank Him every day for the things that He's given us, that the things that He's done for us. God is good. And let's praise His holy name. Hebrews chapter 2, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 2 and verse 5, the Bible said, For unto the angels hath He not put in subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak, but in but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man, that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man, that thou vistest him, that thou madest him a little lower than the angels? Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and thou didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not, yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus. Boy, isn't that beautiful? Boy, we say that to every trial that we go through. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you, God, to bless the reading of your word. Lord, open our hearts to it. I pray, God, that our hearts will be soft and pliable to the reading of your word. Give me the power that I need to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you'd fill this place with your Holy Spirit. God, I just want to feel you in this place. I want to know that you're here. God, I'm glad everybody in this room is here this morning. But Lord, we want you here with us this morning. 
and your promises were two or three gathering your name that you'll be in the midst of them. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just move and work in this place. I ask you, God, to send the rain. God, I ask you to save another soul this morning. Lord, I ask you to bring home a prodigal this morning. God, I pray that you would move in this place like you never have before. Lord, I want something new. I want something fresh. God, I want something that I've never seen before from you. Lord, show up in this place in a mighty way. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, The Day Jesus Regained Control. The day Jesus regained control. The book of Hebrews is simply a book that exalts the person of Jesus Christ. If you look throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews no doubt was a Jew because from the Jewish standpoint, he began to elevate the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, higher than anybody in the world. He began to exalt him above the angels. If you'll look, in uh, chapter 1, he exalts them above the angels. He begins to exalt them above Moses and Abraham. He begins to exalt them above all of those in Judaism that they looked up to and that they, they, they thought so much of. And so the Hebrew writer is simply spending his time trying to get in the mind of the readers that Jesus Christ is a step above everybody. That Jesus Christ is a step above Every person that paved the path that, that we have here at Promised Land. Listen, I praise God for everybody that has paved the path that we have here at Promised Land and all those people before us, but there is somebody that is above them. I praise God for those in our country who have stood up and done so much for us to have the rights that we have today. But child of God, understand there is somebody above them. I am so thankful for our religious uh, leaders who have fought and fought and fought for the rights that we have to be here and worship Jesus. But friend, there's somebody above them. Understand there is one that is exalted above all. And his name is Jesus. You see, the Jews have the coming Messiah. You see, the, the Muslims have uh, Muhammad. And this religion has Buddha and all of this and all of their ways and means to heaven. But friend, I believe there's one way to heaven. I believe there's one name that is above every name. And I believe it's the name of Jesus. And I believe there's power in that name. I believe salvation is received at that name. I believe prayers are answered at the name of Jesus. I believe your petitions can go before the very throne room of God at the precious name of Jesus. Friend, that's why we'll worship that name. That's why all nations will bow down at that name because there's one above all. Above all. You say, preacher, we're all equal. Under heaven, we're all equal. But there's one in heaven who's above all. And his name is Jesus. And may I tell you that Jesus has control today. I love what the Bible says there in the book of Colossians, that he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Because he is above all, that means his authority is above all. And being that his authority is above all, there is one that is in control. Understand today that the powers to be and the, the powers of darkness is not in control. Jesus Christ is in control. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting there and he's got the whole world in his hands. Jesus is in control. 
Child of God, be reminded, no matter how chaotic your life is, Jesus is in control. No matter how crazy this world may become, Jesus is in control. I don't know about y'all, but every now and then I need to stop and be reminded that a political party's not in control, that the world's not in control, but my Savior, the one whom I serve and who I believe in, is in control of all things. And man, when the storms are raging in the fire's heart, and the fire's hot, aren't you glad to know that you know the one who's in control? Of all things, he's in control of the wind, he's in control of the storms, he's in control of the fires. Praise God, Jesus is in control. You may not have control, but Jesus is in control. The Hebrew writer begins in chapter 2 to speak of the humanity of Christ. And for a moment that he lowered himself lower than the angels, only for a short period of time in his life did he lower himself to do what God sent him to do. You say, preacher, why did Jesus come to the earth? He came to regain control. The Hebrew writer said that God put man in control of all worldly things. And I want us to be reminded today, number one, that mankind was crowned with control. I want you to hold your place there and look in Psalms 8. In Psalms 8, the Hebrew writer said, but in a certain place one testified, and that's in Psalms, Psalm 8. I want you to look there. There was a time that all mankind had authority and dominion and control over the earth. Mankind was crowned with that authority. He had that control over the earth. I want you to look in Psalms 8. The Psalms, David said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and the sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, have y'all ever considered the works of God? Have you ever considered the moon and the sun and the stars? Have you ever considered a human being? <laughs> Have you ever considered the animals of the earth and all the creation? Isn't God wonderful? Isn't He high? Isn't He the creator of all things? And David said, he said, consider the heavens. Just think about everything that God has done. And then notice this. What is man? that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. So God created all things, and then he created man. And David said, you've done it all. And he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You say, preacher, what do you mean he's mindful of man? He put man in control of everything that he had created. Notice what it said in verse 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. And yes, this is a messianic psalm speaking of Jesus, but he's speaking to humanity. He's speaking of man and the creation of man. He's speaking of Adam. Isn't Jesus the second and last Adam? And he's talking about Adam, 
Notice what he said, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. David said, When I consider your works, and that you were mindful of man to put Adam in control of everything that God had ever created. Right there in the Garden of Eden, he created man and woman, and he made beast. And he said, David, I give you the domain. I give you authority. I give you control. I want you to take care of my creation. And there in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve was in charge of everything. Everything was under the feet of humanity. Humanity had control. There was no sin. There was no chaos. There was no confusion. There were no animals uh, eating them or attacking them. There was none of that. There was nothing but full control because Adam and Eve had control over everything. Do you know why we call a cow a cow? Because Adam called it a cow. Do you know why we call a dog a dog? Because Adam called it a dog. He gave Adam and Eve full reign and control of all things. And he gave them this right to name all of the creatures in creation. Isn't that humbling? David said, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how mighty is thy name. Why would you honor us, humanity, with the honor that we would have control and authority? Let me tell you something, folks. Adam and Eve had control. They had control over themselves. They had control of their fellowship with God. I'm telling you, everything was in control. They had control of all things. I, I heard, now I don't know this because I'm not OCD, but, but I heard that OCD people love to have control. Everything has to be in order. Don't we like to have our lives in control? Don't we like to have our home in control? Isn't it wonderful when promised land has everything in control and there's no confusion and chaos? Aren't you glad when we're unified and everybody's on the same page? There's control in our life. There's control in the things that we're doing. There's control in the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you something, folks. God has blessed us to put us in this place, in this position of authority. But the reality of it is mankind lost control. And there in the Garden of Eden, God crowned man with this control and this authority and this dominion. But Adam messed up. And Adam lost control because he disobeyed God. May I tell you, when you disobey God, you're going to lose control. And the things in your life are going to turn to chaos and confusion. And Adam, he began to uh, do the things that God told him not to do, and so he committed sin. And so the curse of sin fell upon all humanity. And right there, when he took of that fruit, he lost control. Mankind lost control of the creation of God. And no longer was man in control of the beast and the animals and, and the fish and all of these things. No longer could he speak to the animals and the animals did this. He didn't have full control anymore. In fact, Adam lost control of creation. He lost control of his eternity. 
He lost control of where he was going to spend eternity. There he could have stayed in the Garden of Eden for all of eternity in fellowship with God. But the very day that he sinned, his soul was doomed and destined for devil's hell. Sin fell upon mankind. And the Bible said, for the wages of sin is death. That day, Adam lost control of his eternity. He lost control of creation. He lost control of his decision making. You say, preacher, we got free will. We can make our own decisions. Yes, we can make our own decisions, but most of the time we don't have control over that. We can't even control what we do most of the time because all of our, uh, all of our thoughts and all of our temptations control our decision making. We have lost control. Humanity can no longer control itself and control its destiny and control its walk and control its relationship with God. And there in the Garden of Eden, all fellowship with God was gone and it was separated. And now mankind was alienated from God. And now sin stood between man and God. And man lost control. And that very moment is when man became to be a lost creature in search of something, with a natural longing, with a natural searching, to put an end to confusion in life, to put an end to chaos in one's soul and one's mind, to put an end to the evil in the world. Folks, we've lost control. I have no control over cancer. I have no control over the evil of the world. I have no control over the government or the economics. I don't have control of even my eternity. I don't have control of all of those things. I can say all day I'm going to heaven, but it's not in my hands. I've lost control. You can't get up one day and say, well, I got control and I'm going to be in control of all things because you'll lose it. You think you have control, but you don't have control. Mankind begin to spiral out of control. Now we have men with men and women with women. Now abortion rate is beyond our comprehension. We're killing and murdering babies left and right, and we say we got control. Sin is, is going, it's just out of our minds. It is blowing out of proportion of the sin and the evil and the wickedness that is in this world. There's an all-new hatred for Jesus and God and the things of the Bible. Don't tell me we're in control. We're not in control. I can't even control my house. I can't even control my wife. I love you. I love you. I'm just picking. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I can't even control my kids half the time. I mean, we, can't, we try to get our home in order. Most of us can't get our life in order because we can't get our home in order. Our life's out of order. Our home's out of order. Our church is out of order. Our life's out of order. We're out of control. This comes along and we go with this. And then this comes along and we go with this. And every wind of doctrine, we're like the chaff in the wind. We have no control. Friend, Adam lost control. Adam lost control of the things that he had in life. May I tell you, there's been times in my life that I sat down and I said, I'm out of control. My life's out of control. My soul's out of control. And somewhere, somehow, I've got to get somebody to control me and get my life in order and get things straight. Folks, 
If you're sitting here this morning and you say, Preacher, my life's out of control. My family's out of control. There's no peace. There's no unity. It is nothing but confusion. May I tell you, there's one that is above all men. There's one name that is above all names at the name of Jesus. There's one that can control you. There's one that can bring peace and harmony to your life. And His name is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. I want you to look back in Hebrews. If you're with me, say amen. Mankind lost control. We had control and we lost it. See, we tried to run things and we couldn't do it. <laughs> we choked. We messed up. It's impossible for you to live your life in perfection, in, in order, in your own power, in your own authority. But notice what the Scripture said in verse 8. Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet. For that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not, yet all things put under him. Now this speaks of the future, that there's coming a day for God's people that we're going to be in control again. But notice what he said in verse 9. But we see Jesus. Whew. I have no control over my eternity. But we see Jesus. I have no control over the principalities and powers, but we see Jesus. I have no control over cancer, but we see Jesus. Y'all can shout at any time. It's all right, folks. That's an order in here. Amen? I have no control over my home, but we see Jesus. I have no control over economics and the political system, but we see Jesus. But we see Jesus, I love the Hebrew writer said, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. May I tell you, when Jesus came, he didn't come on that white horse, he didn't come in the glory of heaven, but he came as a lowly man. And He came in a manger. He came as a God-man. It didn't take just a man. It took a God-man. May I tell you that Jesus was all man, but He was all God. It took a man that was an all-man and an all-God to do what He was about to do. You know what Jesus came to do? He came to regain control. He came to bring back control to a world of chaos and confusion. How did He do it? How did He do it? He did it by His death. Notice what it said there. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. May I say that he was made a little lower for just a little while? There's only one time in the life of Jesus that he was made lower. It was when he humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross. May I tell you the only time that Jesus lowered himself is when he had sinners on his mind. Oh, praise God. The Bible said by the suffering of death. Hold your finger there. Look in 1 Corinthians 15. If you're with me, say amen. If you're awake, say amen. If you're asleep, say amen. Okay, good deal. 1 Corinthians 15. It was by His death He regained control. 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. How did 
Jesus become the Savior of the world because he made himself a man. Only a man could do what Jesus did by reconciling us back to God. He had to become man because it's man that messed it up. But Jesus was made a quickening spirit. And so when we see that quickening spirit, we know that it speaks that Jesus died, but bless God, he rose again the third day. Adam died, and he's dead. His spirit went to be with the Lord. But Jesus had a quickening spirit. So when he died, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. You see, death had had control over man for all these years until he met Jesus. And when death met Jesus, when the devil met Jesus, bless God, he was a quickening spirit. And Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so he died and became man and put the sins of the world on his back and died for us. Why could he only do it? Because he had a quickening spirit. The others had a living soul, but he had a quickening spirit. You know why? Because he was all man on the outside. Whew. But he was all God on the inside. And what set him apart from every man? What set him apart from every president in our life? What set him apart from every king? Is that he was all man on the outside, but bless God, he was Jehovah on the inside. He was Elohim on the inside. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as that man became obedient to the death of the cross, only he could do what he did. Because not only was he man, but he was God. And he was made a quickening spirit, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Man has no control over death, but Jesus does. Man has no control over the grave, but Jesus does. I'm not scared of dying. Huh. Three of you agree with me. I'm not scared of dying, because I know who's in control. And the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave has defeated sin in my life. And one day to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I'm going to go be with Him. Because He's in control. His death, but not only His death, but His deity. I want you to look in Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Whew. Man, I tell you... What, we have dumbed up religion. We have dumbed up Jesus. We've tried to make him one of us. We try to make him like he's just another old pal or another old friend. Let me tell you something, folks. Don't put Jesus down on your level. He already got down on your level once. And he did it so he could die for you and save your soul. But friend, now he's highly exalted. And above all things, Ephesians 1 and in verse 20. Which we wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. I'm telling you, I'm tired of principality having control. I'm tired of powers having control. I'm tired of the mighty having control. I'm tired of dominions having control. Bless God, there's one above all of them. It says, in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, 
which is the body of the fullness of him that filleth all in all. All things have been put in subjection under the feet of Christ. Whew, man. <clears throat> There's a bug running across. Just put my foot on it. Got control. Got control. You remember when Saddam Hussein was uh, was arrested and they carried his statue through the town and they took their shoes off and they were beating his statue because in the Middle East, that's a thought that the lowest part of something goes under your feet. And so it's a sign of disrespect for somebody to touch the bottom of your feet because it means that one is above the other. Now, thank God Jesus ain't quite like that. But the Bible says that all things are under His feet and that He has control. And every time I turn that news on, I get shaken up. Folks, we're under His feet. Every time that phone rings and you get that bad call, you remember, we're under His feet. When you're in the trial of your life, in the fight in your relationship, in your home, and your marriage is in pieces, you remember we're under His feet. When you think your kids have slapped lost their mind, and they have, they're under His feet. He's got control. Brother Russell, I'll admit, I'm a little OCD every now and then. My wife gave me that look. But I can't do it, folks. I've lost control. I cannot control my life anymore. I must subject myself to the one that has all things subjected to him. Miss B, I don't have you under my feet. I can't do nothing with you. <laughs> but you're under his feet. I can't do anything with the devil. Whew. But he's under the feet of Jesus. He's sitting up there and he's high and he's holy and he's elevated. And he's sitting there at the right hand of the throne of God in control. And here we are down here like little ants running this race. Thinking we have no control. Folks, look up. Pray for the rain. Because the one who's in control can do anything that we ask of him. Whew. And the day that I gave up, Brother Allen, I tried to run my life and I couldn't do it. I made a mess. But one day I gave up. I said, Jesus, here it is. Here's my life. And I gave him my heart and I gave him my life. And he took control. And things began to take place in my life that I could not explain to you. That only God could do. You know why? Because everything is under his feet. Whew. Y'all scared of anything? I'm terrified of a snake. You ever hear that preacher down there at Promised Land's handling snake? Y'all knew Promised Land done got a new preacher because this preacher ain't going to handle snakes. But all things are under His feet. The whole world is in His hands. Folks, that ought to humble us. 
We lost control, but Jesus took it back. And all things are subjected to him. That's why he said, cast your nets over here and you'll catch fish. Whew. He showed them who was in control. That's why he spoke to the wind and the wind listened. Because he's in control. He's in control of the fire. He's in control of the temptations and the tribulations. He's in control of your marriage. He's in control of the powers to be. He's in control. So what, what, where does that leave me? i got to subject myself to the one who's above all things. Dedicate your life to Christ. Give your heart to Him. I don't worry about eternity anymore because He's in control. He saved my soul and He'll save yours this morning. I don't worry about those things I can't help because they're under His feet. No more fretting. No more stress. All of that must go away because it's all under His feet. Oh, what a mighty Savior we serve. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready for that eastern sky to split wide open. And I'm going to tell you, folks, there's not a lot of people in this world that love the name Jesus. But I love Him. And you love Him. But there's coming a day that every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. There's folks that's given their life to prove that there's not a Christ. But folks... He already lived on this earth a perfect, sinless life. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Basically one of the good prophets. He was just a good man. He said, Peter, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whew. That's when you get those feet over you. And he's got control of your life.